We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DGD Podcast. As always, the NCDGD himself, Robert Reynolds. <clears throat> Today we're talking Oregon. It is game week. We've seen some, we saw some week zero games, so college football is in full effect at this point. But today we're talking those Oregon Ducks. And nobody better to talk about Oregon with us than our friend Hithla Day from Addicted to Quack. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks. Uh, you were kind enough to come on uh, our show, Robert, and uh, it's nice to make the return trip for you. You know, it's, it's always fun to do these home and homes, right? I, th- I think yeah, you you, uh, let's just say you can learn a lot about these things, which I think that is the plan for today. Um, obviously, listen, if we have any Duck fans in the chat, welcome to the brigade. All right. Welcome to the brigade. If you're new to, and you don't know what that means, that is our live chat section. Uh, listen, feel free to ask questions, things like that. We are a show that, you know, drives off of questions as well. We will read them and obviously if they are appropriate. So keep that in mind. Uh, but neither here nor there. Uh, obviously, we welcome this debate here. But today, I think from a Georgia perspective, man, I'm ready to learn about Oregon. Uh, and before we start, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Alumni Hall. Alumni Hall, obviously, 10 minutes from campus, uh, licensed Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, you name it, all, all types of good stuff, right? Uh, Georgia gear and everything. So if you're in the market for some Georgia gear, hey, go to Alumni Hall, check them out, or www.alumnihall.com. Give them a shout out. Let them know DGD sent you. With that being said, let's jump straight into this. Obviously, you know, you lose Mario Cristobal. Right, you bring in Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning, obviously a familiar face with Georgia fans. Uh, I'm not going to beat the dead horse there. It makes too much sense. You know, what are y'all's? You know, I want to get a feel for Oregon's pulse of the program, if you will. Like, what are the? What's the overall vibes? What's the overall feeling uh, throughout the season? You know, leading up to the season uh, in Eugene. What's the feelings like there? I would say it's pretty good. Uh, you know, Oregon fans are uh, divided. I guess I'd say that politely on the legacy of Mario Cristobal as uh, Oregon's head coach. But I think it's undeniable that he left a pretty full stocked cabinet in terms of talent. 
Um, there's, uh, you know, offense and defense. Uh, you know, I think it is looking like a, a more talented team than Oregon has ever had. Um, you got to remember, you know, I know that Oregon's been in the spotlight, you know, for a, a minute here, but like a lot of uh, Oregon fans are old enough to remember about a 20 year period in the, in the 60s, 70s and 80s where it was you know, <laughs> the idea that Oregon would be playing on a stage like this is, is just inconceivable for fans of a certain age. Um, so this will probably be the most talented team uh, that, that Oregon has. I, I did an entire series, you know, running down the uh, the brand new coaching staff. You know, 100 percent of the, the coaches are new. Um, I really like, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, really seems like landing assembled, you know, a really uh, philosophically coherent staff of guys. It wasn't just like grab the best position coach that I think is available. It's like, you know, assemble dudes who all know how to work together within this sort of mint front, tight front. You know, they all have experience. You know, for example, uh, you know, Baylor's uh, safeties coach, Matt Powledge, right, who's working under, you know, Dave Aranda. And like that's, you know, the tight front sort of the originator of this defensive scheme. Um, and on the offensive side of the ball, I I am excited to find out what Ken Willing, uh, Dillingham is going to do. Um, it's a bit of a mystery schematically, um, given that you know we we've never really seen what Dillingham has done out on his own. Um, but I'm sort of expecting from some study on the guy that it's going to look pretty similar to uh, the the previous staffs, you know, RPO heavy attack the linebackers type of offense, and that that's probably a good fit for uh, this the 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 returning personnel they have. You know, the offensive line has been a a, a bulwark of Oregon for a long time. That's probably not going to change. They're returning all five starters. Um, in in my opinion, the you know, the, the, uh, the team ought to go down as, as their quarterback goes down, which is still a big fat question mark right now. You know, we're going to find out on the third, I think, uh, you know, how, how that is going to go and by extension, how the rest of the season is going to go, but I'm excited to find out. You know, absolutely. I think, you know, when, from a Georgia perspective, right. When, when y'all took and hired Lanning, right. And, and I've been, and I, even Friday, um, you know how I felt about this. I, I thought Landing did it exactly the right way. You know, obviously, you take, you know, obviously become head coach. You know, but then continuing to coach Georgia, right, and, and getting us to where we need to be, ultimately winning the title, whatnot, right. So I have, uh, I have the utmost respect for Landing, and you know, I look at his staff, right. I think you look at Tosh Lapoy. It's more so the D, you know, the coordinator here, Tosh Lapoy and Dillingham. I think it's an interesting culmination of minds right I, I think so right because we saw what Dillingham was able to do right and and we're going to get into the player personnel wise here in a little bit but we, we saw what Dillingham was able to do at Auburn and Florida State and things like that right and it's it's interesting right so you know obviously as the season progresses right obviously the first season you have some time to you know learn some things right understand the personnel rotate find things like that right there and that and that's i think that's expected right cuz it's expected on our side as well right it happens every season you know but for me you know listening to the organ space right in a sense like i have i don't even know if i heard y'all happier now than you know i feel like it's been happier than any time under Cristobal and and I, you know, obviously i can't speak on 100% but i feel like that's a testament to the culture that he's bringing immediately if would that make sense well I, I guess i put it this way a lot of oregon fans were disappointed with quarterback performance uh, in the four years uh, of mario cristobal um i mean i certainly was too uh 
and you know anytime you have a you know an opportunity you know where you have both a quarterback change and a staff change um you know you're always going to be optimistic you know you, you know hope hope springs eternal um i i think there's good reason to believe that oregon's going to get better quarterback performance uh going forward uh but you know we're, we're just not going to know until the third you know that's going to be the exciting thing about this game um you know, I, I I sort of think I know what to expect when I'm watching when Georgia has the ball and Oregon is defending it. Um, you know, I you know I'm not like I'm making a prediction exactly what the outcome is going to be, but I you know I know what the scheme is going to be on both sides of the ball. I know who the key returning pieces are. You know, I, I know you know the questions that they have to answer and how they're going to attempt to answer them. On the, the other way around, though, when Oregon has the ball and Georgia is defending them. It's a new quarterback, and as you know, Georgia's you know replacing quite a bit in their defensive front um, and in the secondary, you know, as well. And like, oh boy, <laughs> you know, it's going to be really fun to find out how those questions are answered. Obviously, in the chat here, we kind of see like like we re reemphasizing right landing and every and staff really, and it's it's uh, what Mikey G says here, and I'll pull it up. Is this uh, you know talking about Oregon fans as we are too, you know being excited or fond of the new coach and everything. Seems like a great guy. Obviously hasn't coached a game yet, but have high expectations for what we've seen. Just speaks to the caliber of folks that guys have, you know, glad he chose us. Yeah, listen, I think you look at at least at least my following, right? I think we have this sentiment towards landing. We understand how good of a coach he is, right? But at the same time, right, when it when it comes to September third, I think Oregon fans here will agree on this. It's it's gonna be one of those things where it's a mutual uh, I hate you for today and afterwards, good luck, right? Um, and I feel like that's the pulse of the program right now, right? Leading up into the season, right? We saw week zero, uh, things like that, right? And, you know, listen, I think you – I'll probably speak for myself, but, I mean, if you feel free to add on to this. I'm going to speak on behalf of the brigade. I'm sure that seeing week zero, seeing all these games, made us that more excited for Saturday. <laughs> Simple oh, definitely. Saturday. <clears throat> oh yeah, my blood was definitely up. I, I like I don't care at all about Nebraska and Northwestern, but I suddenly like was eating, drinking, sleeping purple and red. Uh, you know, like yeah, college football gets in your blood, doesn't it? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back. We're talking personnel, right? I want to talk about some personnel uh, on the Oregon side. Um, you know, I think you look at, you know, foe for Oregon in the, in the Pac-12, uh, USC, they, I don't know how to feel about this, and, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, but, you know, I felt like Travis Dye, probably a name that resonates with Oregon fans more so than Georgia fans, but hmm. Travis Dye going to USC, right? That was, I feel like that was a key departure. Um, and, I mean, I, there was a couple key departures that I know of, that I'm aware of, right? But I think that was the main one um, because, if I'm not mistaken, you had your two running backs depart, and then you had Robbie Ashford if I'm, go to Auburn, if yep. I'm not mistaken. What were some? So I guess my question is, what were the key departures that you know that we need to be aware of? Because I felt like last season the, the guys that did leave made an impact, and it's going to change how Oregon looks from you know this past season into this season currently. Um, who were some key departures outside of the you know the aforementioned? Uh, Travis die. Uh, well, CJ Verdell, as you alluded to, is the other, you know, running back. Both of those guys had been, you know, sort of one, a one B at running back for Oregon for the last four years. So sort of an end of an era there. Um, uh, you know, the Oregon's got a new quarterback. I think everybody knows about that. Um, the, uh, the, the one that broke all of our hearts on the offense was losing tight end Spencer Webb. He unfortunately, um, passed away in, in an accident over the, the off season. Uh, we're all sort of still in mourning about, uh, about his loss. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of wide receivers, uh, you know, a couple other, you know, iconic guys, uh, Johnny Johnson, and Jalen red, those guys had been, you know, they were both seniors, uh, and had been in the program since 2017, you know, that's when, you know, 
Oregon was a program that had a long you know, coaching continuity. And, uh, you know, that all ended at the end of the 2016 season when they fired Mark Helfrich. And then Oregon sort of went through some drama in terms of its uh, its coaches. Um, you know, Willie Taggart only sticking around for a year and then, you know, having to, to scramble and hire Mario Cristobal off of that staff. Um, you know, Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red were guys who sort of got uh, Oregon through, you know, that that tumultuous period. So you know, there's a lot of good feelings for those guys. Um, and, and then on the, on the defense, um, the, uh, you know, it's hard to overstate the impact of Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, as a pass rusher, um, he's actually surprisingly good in run blocking too. You probably shouldn't just think of him as an edge rusher, but you know, that, yeah. that guy was, you know, transformational, you know, you know, I, I, you know any any player who can do that to opposing offensive tackles and i can tell you as a film reviewer i had to write articles about this every week like you can see how defenses changed their structure in order to cope with cave on thibodeau and anytime you you get the offense to like you know the opposing offense i mean to like you know switch up what they're doing you know that means they're taking a dude off the field you know they're taking a, a tight end away from the passing game just to help double up on Thibodeau you know or you know they got to move a guard over and now there's interior rush lanes open you know for the the inside linebackers to attack like you know that that's obviously pretty significant and then last one that I'll mention is that Oregon basically lost all their cornerbacks um uh, Michael Wright uh, DJ James Jalen Davies um uh you know that's fairly significant uh, i think it's probably the thinnest unit that oregon has they have some good options to replace those guys but it's like you know it all sort of hit at once you know which is uh you know pretty significant there are other guys i'm not mentioning who i think are beloved ducks players but in terms of like high impact guys that'll do it you know i think you know you listen to you just listed those guys right um you know kcb and i think the most notable now that you know Obviously, going to the draft, whatever top five—I think it was top five pick. I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, so replicating that, right? Replicating it is going to get interesting, right? Because he's one of those players that you know, and it's kind of similar. I, I want to say it's kind of similar to what Georgia might be going with, and trying to replace a guy like Jordan Davis, right? Because their their niche on the field, right, is one that if you don't have the exact same personnel, like, you're going to have to find ways to replicate the production right like georgia fans understand where i'm coming from this because you, you don't just have a 6'6 340 pound behemoth right now right on the roster to to fill that gap that he did right to that level whatnot whatever the case may be you know how you know obviously you add some folks in obviously and and we'll talk about the additions as well i'm just saying some of the additions you know through the portal or you know finishing up the recruiting cycle from 2022 was actually impressive. It really was considering, you know, you basically Dan Lanning comes in right after the end of the regular season and salvages and finishes with what a, I want to say it was a 15 or top 15 or top 20 class, uh, according yeah. to like 24 uh, seven composite rankings or whatever, if you will. Uh, you know, listen, and that just tells you if, you know, obviously Georgia fans are completely aware of this Oregon fans, if you're not, and you don't follow recruiting, the guy can recruit his ass off, right? It's just period. He can recruit his ass off. With that being said, what are some key additions, you know, whether it be through the portal or through the recruiting cycle, uh, you know, that Oregon fans, you know, are excited about, and maybe Georgia fans might need to take note of as well. Um, 
Well, I'll just run down the list. I mean, obviously they're they're taking a transfer quarterback as I think ten different schools in the Pac-12 are going to be starting uh, transfer quarterbacks. Um, you know, Bo Nix. Uh, it would be really interesting to see him reunited with Kenny Dillingham, who was you know the OC uh, at Auburn in 2019. You know, when he was SEC Rookie of the Year. Um, you know, as I said at the top, you know, I, I really feel like, you know, how Bonix goes. I would be shocked if Bonix is not selected as a starter. Just the experience gap between he and the other two guys is is just enormous. Um, And, and he's pledged, you know, this is going to be his last season. So it works out politically, if you know what I mean, Um, in terms of like preserving the other kids and then not transferring out. Um. Uh, at running back, they took two transfers uh, to supplement Byron Cardwell, the returner, um, and Sean Dollars, who's coming off of an injury. Um, Marquise Bucky Irving from uh, Minnesota, who you know really you know carried them in that sort of uh, power rushing scheme last year. And Noah Whittington, who comes over from Western Kentucky with the running backs coach Carlos Lachlan. Carlos Lachlan was a guy that like nobody knew who this guy was until he you know until he showed up you know last year at Western Kentucky and then this year at Oregon. But he has really uh, uh, whipped that room into shape and and his recruiting efforts has been incredible I, I sort of think you know Oregon's real found found a real gem in Carlos Lachlan um and I'm expecting high things out of Whittington I really don't know how the running back um situation is going to go down like I, I really you know any combination of those four guys uh Cardwell Dollars Irving and Whittington I, I wouldn't be surprised uh at all about I, I think they're all very good options um and just beats me I guess we'll find out um <laughs> Uh, they've, um, they took a couple of wide receivers, uh, through the transfer portal as well. Uh, Chase Cota from UCLA, who I, I had to do a ton of film study on UCLA over the years for obvious reasons. Chip Kelly, uh, is there, Oregon's old coach. Um, and like, boy, I can tell you that guy is, was really underutilized at UCLA. I'm really expecting, uh, uh big things from him as like, you know, very sure handed receiver. Um, and I really think his numbers are going to explode, um, compared to just just structurally the way that ucla uses um its wide receivers are, are is i think pretty different from the way that oregon's going to use wide receivers they also got caleb chapman who you might recall um he's came from the sec the texas a&m um he's had a bunch of like really dramatic catches but then he's also like struggled with injuries so you know we're all wishing um wishing for his uh, good health um on the defense uh took a couple of nose tackle transfers um both of whom i think are going to be pretty significant uh taki tamani from washington always good to steal a kid from washington um uh and jordan riley from uh from nebraska you know i i think that oregon's finally going to be deep enough at nose tackle to seriously commit to the mint front and the you know two big two gapping nose you know everybody that we're talking about here is over 310 pounds um and you know, you know, should be pretty good to see. I also think that they also got another um, defensive line transfer from Nebraska, Casey Rogers, who I I think is either going to be you know first or second string, um, uh, you know, as that big four eye. He's he's perfectly built for it. You know, six five two eighty five. I'm I've got some high expectations from him, um, and uh, and. And then uh, another transfer uh, in the cornerback room, Christian Gonzalez, um, snagged him from Colorado, a four-star, came over with um, Demetrius Martin, the cornerback's coach. Um, I, he, he's going to be an all-Pac-12 cornerback. He's really good. I've been watching him uh, you know, since he arrived as a true freshman at Colorado. I know that people don't think very highly of Colorado, but like that, this one guy sort of snuck into the backfield um, as you know, the really impressive cornerback. I've got a high expectation for him. Uh, I think that's it in terms of impact. Uh, transfers you know I was sitting there looking in the in the in the chat here uh, you know, Mikey G's uh, I pulled it up but I'll pull it back up again uh, he thought that Taki and Gonzo the biggest addition 
questions from the portal, in his opinion. Um, but there is a good question here from our friend Kirby Visor, uh, and he's asking uh, who will match up. I, I guess this might be a decent personal question. Who will match up against you know our tight end room, right? I think you're familiar with our tight end room. Uh, listen, it's one of the deepest I've seen in a very long time in, in college. Period. Right? Uh, you've, you know, obviously, but you know, how how do you think from a personal standpoint? Oregon will match up against, you know, Bowers, Washington, uh, Eric Gilbert, Delp when they run 13, maybe even 14 personnel sets. I was wondering about whether they'll go to 14. I think we might see it. I, I, I don't think you're wrong about that. Um, it, the personnel that they will probably use, from what I understand of the structure of this defense, are probably going to be the starting inside linebackers, Noah Sewell and uh, and and probably Justin Flo, uh, who are both five stars. Um, and I'm really excited to see you know Justin Flo, you know, back to full health again. Um, if he, if and, he stays healthy, if he stays healthy, he's a yeah. monster. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, really, we got very little film on him. You know, I really just have one, you know, true game, which is the opener in 2021 against Fresno State. And I mean, just absolute monster. And his technique is unrefined. Like that's him playing at maybe 80% of his effectiveness, given that, you know, he really needs to like refine a lot of his technique, which I hope that he's been working on during this long um, recuperation period. Um, and then in terms of the the OLB, I would expect Mace Funa, the OLB, to be the primary guy who's sort of dropping back and covering. Um how they actually perform against Georgia's elite tight ends, you know, beats me. I, I hope well, but like those are the guys that you're going to see. They certainly have all the athletic talent that they need um, in order to be effective. But like, it's a, it's a, you know, I mean, you know, over the course of the season in pass coverage, because I know that this defensive structure, you know, really emphasizes using linebackers in pass coverage and like, you know, allocate your resources to stop the pass because that hurts you more than the run does in modern college football. But like how they actually do in this game against elite tight ends. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Let, let's just say this week one. Right. This game. Don't you know, if, if you're an Oregon fan and you have issues you know, guarding the tight ends or whatever. Listen, don't, don't, you know, say that, you know, oh, our linebacking core it needs a lot of help because I'm telling you right now, on your schedule, which we'll talk to after another break here in a little bit, listen, outside of that right there, you're set because you're not going to see anything cl remotely close to what, to what you'll see in week one, you know, from a tight end perspective, right? You know, and, and as Mikey G says right here, you know, he predicts that he thinks that you'll see Jamal Hill and, and Sewell covering, you know, Brock Bowers, but really don't know what Tosh and Dan will come up with. You know, obviously you need size a little bit, but you have to have some athleticism as well. And I'm telling you right now, if there's any one person that you would need to understand and scheme against that right there, he's your head coach. So I'm going to leave it at there. Simple yeah, I mean, he's had to face this offense and practice a lot. You know, I, I <laughs> just finished up my Georgia film study and, and I'm writing up my article actually today. It's going up tomorrow morning on Tuesday. Um, and, uh, you know, I really feel like a lot of um, SEC defensive coordinators were really uh, strategically miscalculating where the strengths and weaknesses of Georgia's uh, offense was. And, um, you know, I will detail that more in my article, but the short version of it is like, yes, you're absolutely right. Contain Brock Bowers and kind of forget everything else. Easier um, said than done, too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously that's true. Uh, Mikey in comments makes a uh, 
a good remark, which is that Jamal Hill might be a guy that, you know, because they do like to split the tight ends out quite a bit. And like, yeah, I would expect a big body guy like Jamal Hill, the, you know, the, the, the starting nickel, who I think is actually from your neck of the woods, um, to, uh, to, to be at least a physical matchup, you know, like that is a big guy, um, bigger than I'm, I usually expect to see safeties, uh, at, um, and, and, uh, you know, that, that should be a good matchup too. That, I mean, that's really sort of the, the really interesting thing about studying Munkin's offense is that they're, you know, they do a lot out of 12 personnel that is, but it's not, you know, two on the ball tight ends, you know, it's, it's, spreading them out it's you know dropping one back as an h back it's you know putting guys into motion um there's even some sweep plays with tight ends like mm-hmm. it's it's a very inventive uh, if, if uh oregon, offense, oregon so. fans uh, sorry to cut you off my man but oregon fans i promise you he he mentioned a sweep play right and i'm gonna let you know if you didn't see what happened last season brock bowers is athletic enough to take a jet sweep for a touchdown if, if you don't believe me, just go Google it. I guarantee you'll find it, right? You go to YouTube and just type in Brock Bowers Jet Sweep or, you know, I promise you, he's that athletic. But I do want to ask you a question, though. You know, and kind of alluding back earlier, right, with this 13 personnel, maybe even 14 personnel. The, the thing that's interesting to me is if you add a 13 personnel, I feel like 13 personnel in, in particular is the most difficult to to scheme against because of the not only the, the, the athletic ability of the, our tight end room, right, but the uncertainty that can come with it. Because if you put in, say, for instance, hypothetically thinking, you have Brock Bowers, you have Darnell Washington, you have Eric Gilbert. You have both out wide, you have one on end, or say you move Brock Bowers and Darnell on, on the end and then slide, you know, you know, maybe Eric to the slot or whatever, you can still run out of that and be effective because ultimately if it's a run play, you would have seven right to your five. So, you know, having this amount of tight end personnel is more, even more scared than receiving depth to a certain degree because of the ability to block from a tight end position, right? Like you're not going to see a true receiver play from out wide, come into the end of the line and do that. You're not just going to. So this 13 personnel, it's going to be extremely interesting to see if we run that, I don't know if we live out of 13 personnel, we, even though we might be able to. I think you'll see it a few times for sure. It's going they to be were definitely transitioning to, to a lot more 13 towards the end of the year. That was actually one of the things that I really picked up from charting the teams, like dealing with Pickens injury and then just sort of realizing what they had in Bowers. And then as Washington sort of came online, you know, recovered from his foot, foot injury that like it, that they were switching, you know, it was a lot of 11 and 12 to start the year. And it was a lot of 12 and 13 to end the year. Like, I, I think, I think Munkin's hearing you loud and clear about the possibilities of 13. I would think so, right? But I think what ultimately what it boils down to is you have your linebacking core that can have to go out and cover these guys, but it can also play a role into your defensive line in a sense because, like I said, you have to stop the run. And Mikey G is bringing up a point here as well, right? We look at Oregon's offensive line as being, you know, returning a lot of, you know, a lot of guys from last season. You know, and talking about, you know, I see some chatter here, the Oregon-Utah game finding out that, you know, the O-line was dinged up and everything, which is kind of expected considering the the, the whole season going on right there. I do think that, you know, seeing a, if you're 100%, if you will, right, for this week, it's going to be interesting because, like I said, Georgia's defense, we lost a lot of starter 
talent, right? We're still mm. we're still extremely deep, just more talent or more talent than experience, if you will. Um, so I think you know, looking at a matchup, I'm excited to see as those two really trench play, right? We can talk all day about quarterback play, receiving, and skill positions, and that's fine and dandy. But I think ultimately you could see this game play go down to you know trench play and who wins the line of scrimmage because you know listen Bo Nix we've seen him three years right at Oregon I'm not going to sit here and say that it's going to be the same Bo Nix from Oregon I just can't do that you mean at Auburn Bo, well, sorry yes my bad wow you know him at Auburn was one thing right now he had Dillingham his freshman year and listen that was his best year but at the same time what what Georgia is going to see with him at Oregon is going to be a lot different because, in my opinion, listen, he just has better personnel overall, right? With him at Oregon, I, it was just a, it was just I, a lot. I really could be more. I, I mean, I, I figure I don't have to work too hard on a Georgia podcast to convince people that Auburn sucks, but like, I, I had to study Auburn a lot um, over the last several years. Uh, you know, Oregon opened with him in 2019. I did a bunch of film study on on Joe Moorhead, who you know was coaching Mississippi State for a couple of years so I was watching Auburn in there you know as I uh, a lot of the new coaching staff comes from the SEC so you know I, I put together a bunch of film over Auburn over the years and like the thing that sort of astonished me was that for an SEC team I, I was sort of you know, gobsmacked by how poor their offensive line play was and by just their refusal to recruit more than like one wide receiver at any given time. Um, and like, that's just not the situation that Bo Nix is walking into at Oregon. And I mean, I, I'm not saying that I think that Gus Malzahn or, or Brian Harson was trying to sabotage Bo Nix, although like hiring Chad Morris and Mike Bobo might be evidence of that. Um, but like, you know, if you're trying to make your quarterback look bad, then have a bad offensive line and poor wide receiver depth and hire Mike Bobo would probably be how I would set about doing it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Now, you know, listen, and, and like I said, what we saw, Bo Nix was very hit or miss at his time at Auburn. Now, for Georgia's perspective, Georgia calls nightmares for three years. I'm just going to leave it there, right? But, you know, but also thinking about it this way, when you look at what Bo Nix has to deal with, right, like there's some takeaways from, you know, from his time at Auburn. And, and I'm not knocking Oregon here, but I'm, you know, is there a Tank Bigsby there, right? He, he had Tank Bigsby at Auburn to kind of be the crutch because Tank Bigsby was the guy, right? He doesn't have Tank Bigsby there. He does have some good running backs. Oregon does have some good running backs. I'm not going to say no on that. But I, I'm telling you right now, my key here to – you know, obviously offensive line play. Listen, he, he's going to have a lot more stability, you know, from a protection standpoint. And he's also going to have, in my opinion, receivers that will be able to catch the ball and sustain drives and score touchdowns. Because last season, last season, it was interesting to see because there were several drives that stopped three and outs because receivers in their hands got dropped, period. Just got dropped. Touchdown, wide open touchdown, dropped it, right? And, and it's just one of those things that, like, I don't see that happening. Um, I just don't see it happening at Oregon. Now, with that being said, we are going to welcome our man, Juan Daniels. Juan is here for the show. Welcome, Juan. Welcome, sir. I'm What's going on? Not much. So we were talking Bo Nix and the differences that we think we'll be seeing with him at Oregon comparing that to what his time was at Auburn. Do you have any thoughts on what 
you know, what differences and things like that you'll see from Bo Nix with his time at, uh, at Oregon now? I think you'll see a more mature Bo Nix. Um, you sit there and look at it, and it starts with the head coach. And, um, you know, Auburn was in disarray. Harson, I mean, just had the group in disarray. The coach before that was just in disarray. You're going to have somebody, number one, you know, that is defensive-minded and, and, and Coach Lanning. And he's just going to ask Bo Nixon, hey, I need you to be mature. I need you to make good decisions. You can't just go out there and be wild and crazy with the ball. So, you know, I, I think once that happens, um, he's going to settle in, and I think you'll see a different Bo Nix. Hislow, what do you think, my man? Whoa. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I 100% agree. The uh, Well, or at least I'll put it this way, all the – everything that Bo Nix needs to succeed is in place, whether he actually, you know, takes that step. That's a, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink kind of deal, you know, but you know, in terms of having an offensive line that, that will give him, you know, better protection. I think that that's in place, having wide receivers who can actually catch the ball and tight ends. That's the other things. Oregon has a couple of very, uh, uh, promising uh tight ends and Maliki Madavow and Terrence Ferdicks and watch out for those guys uh, they were true freshmen last year but really lit it up um he's got an offensive coordinator who he knows and likes working with and was you know his best performance was with Kenny Dillingham um you know uh all of these things are are in place uh now will he actually take that step you know remains to be seen but you know in terms of the offense that i expect to see yeah it's a lot of stuff that's going to be pretty familiar to him too you know a lot of rpos a lot of reading the linebackers you know uh you know that sort of stuff and uh and, and so you know the idea that like well you know bo Nix is a career 120 ncaa passer rating you know quarterback and so therefore he's gonna stink at oregon like i don't think you can say that i don't think that's a safe assumption at all you know obviously i think you know listen i think one one guy that i think is really going to benefit from having bo nix listen let's not be let's not forget here ty thompson right in y'all spring game both both guys looked really good really sharp right i i think at that point like you have the idea that bo nix is going to be the guy just based off the context but ty thompson showed a lot of flashes too and even um was it but is it butter yeah, jay butterfield Butterfield, yeah, I didn't want to butcher the name. I was, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you take overall, like overall quarterback play. I think is getting better, right? I, I do. Um, and listen, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a jab here because I'm not pandering, but I just want to take a jab. the The fact that you had Justin Herbert and you had Anthony Brown, right, under Mario Cristobal, and the fact that they underwhelmed the way they did, in my opinion, at Oregon, for them to go and do what they're doing now in the NFL, listen, I don't think you see the same kind of quarterback play that you saw under Cristobal. I just don't see it. I really don't. Well, I, you know, that's been my, you know, I put my finger on that a little while ago is I, I really don't think that I'm Cristobal was the quarterback's coach, you know, but I think he just like, I, I think he failed to recognize that his quarterback coaching was not very good and you know failed to make a change because he made a change at like every other position coach you know like he's like little dropping people into lakes of fire you failed me for the last time and it just didn't do that with his his quarterbacks coaches and uh you know i don't know why that is but at any rate it's in the past uh i, I do think that kenny dillingham has a pretty you know wrote a whole art actually i wrote two articles about kenny dillingham one trying to figure out what kind of offensive structure that'll run and another like evaluating him as a quarterbacks coach and like 
I was actually way more happy with him as a quarterback's coach. Like I, you know, if anybody's going to get a good performance out of Knicks or Thompson or Butterfield, um, that should be an improvement uh, over the quarterback's coaching that, you know, was going on in Oregon over the last four years. Yeah, to have some pretty high degree of confidence in Dillingham and doing that. So I'm going to read out a question. I think this – and Gerard Berry asked a good question. I don't know if he means just for us Georgia fans, kind of give us our, our take on this, or he's talking about you, Hiff. But the question is, what style of offense do you guys expect from Oregon? You know, obviously a new, uh, you know, new staff, really. You know, obviously head coach, offensive coordinator, and the QB that we'll be facing, right? I think what you're going to have to see is kind of similar to what we saw – at Dillingham's time at Florida State. I th- I'm not going to say that's exactly what you're going to see, but I, if I'm looking at that right there, I think what you have to really keep in mind for is, you know, Dillingham has a mobile quarterback. I think you're going to see him try to utilize that, right? So I, th- I think you're going to see, you know, I would say somewhat of a balance. I think you see a little bit more passing than you do, um, you know, running. But I do think you'll see some – designed runs honestly quarterback runs utilize your quarterback get him into space you know try to create mismatches and and defensive lapses right um you know a lot of movement you're going to see a lot of movement in my opinion right motions all over the place things like that right to try to distract you from the fact that you might see right Bo Nix slide out or whatever the case may be so I think you're going to see a little bit of similar to what you saw when Gus Malzahn was at Auburn as well. You saw a lot of just motion and cra- and chaos, right, before the play. Now, I'm not going to say that's what it's going to be, but in my opinion, I think that's what you could see. I, I do think you'll see some passing. I think you have to utilize some big receivers. Coda, Kyler Casper, might, in my opinion, might be a name that you might see utilized because the dude is just a, huge. He's huge. <laughs> he's, just, he's just big. Um, but I think you're going to have to see if, – if I'm Georgia and I'm playing on the defense – my opinion, I think you have to make sure you set the edge appropriately. Um, you know, play right, contain, keep your contain. You know, that's just my opinion there. Juan, what would you say if you know in regards to the offense that you're expecting? If you had to make a choice now, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm expecting um, again. Uh, you know, Lanning has a has a formula as far as what it's going to take to win offensively, and uh, he's he's got the right guys in place. People don't understand, like, Bo Nix is a really, really good quarterback. Um, you know, and we're talking about a guy that's beat Alabama, and he's beat some of the top teams. He's just one of those things that, you know, can he be corralled, and can he play within the offense? If Bo Nix plays within the offense, Oregon is going to be tough. And, and I, ex- I expect to see some passing, some running, a, a well-balanced. And then Bo Nix is also going to have the opportunity to make plays. It's just kind of like – uh, Stetson Bennett did last year. A lot of people didn't realize Stetson Bennett made a lot of plays with his feet, but he also made some smart plays. So can, uh, you know, can, can Bo Nix, you know, channel that his, his inner Stetson Bennett, so to speak, and make really good, smart decisions. Um, and, and, and if that's the case, they're going to be, they're going to be pretty good. Absolutely. Here's what you got, my man. Well, I, I agree with everything that's been said. I, I have fairly high expectations of Knicks with, you know, better personnel around him. And, and I think the Dillingham sort of knows like, well, I'm expecting to see a pretty, you know, RPO heavy offense simply because there's so many tools, right? Like, it's not like there's only one guy who can catch the ball. You can throw it to running backs and to tight ends and to slot receivers and to outside receivers. And, you know, and nobody's going to understand the defense to sort of help them, you know, plan for, you know, okay, so how are they going to react if we motion this guy, you know, et cetera, like, you know, have 
having Dan Lanning in the offense's corner, you know, I think is is helpful as well. But you know, back to Gerard's you know question, I think there's an asymmetry here in terms of the film that's available to prep, right? Like Oregon's coaching staff studying Georgia's offense and defense sort of knows what they're going to get on September 3rd, right? Like, you know, there, there is some personnel replacement, particularly on the defense front, but like they know what the offensive and defense is going to be. They know what the tendencies are. They know who the main personnel are. They know, know the sort of reactions and so forth. Like Georgia studying Oregon's film, you know, like Lanning's never been a before Dillingham has never control over an offense before at least I don't think so you know we we haven't seen how you know Nick's is going to be with this uh, you know others you know we obviously have a bunch of film on Nick we don't know how we're going to do with a different set of you know offensive line and, and tight ends and wide receivers and so, like it, that sort of asymmetry you know is interesting like I you know we're all guessing about what George is going to see out of Oregon because George is going to be guessing about what they're going to see out of Oregon I think the only thing, and I, I want to transition into the schedule aspect of things, but before we do that, you know, I do want to add one final thing. And I think what's going to be interesting, if I'm Georgia, right, I think you have to take into context, it's a multitude of things, right? It's tendencies that you saw with, you know, Dillingham and his time at right, Florida State, time at Auburn, right? You, it's harder to game plan, you know what I mean? Um, I, I just think that ultimately – Right. Uh, you have to if you're Georgia, you have to have trust and faith in Kirby Smart and the coaching staff. Right. You know, listen, we've, we've had all offseason to prepare in a sense, you know, to get physically ready as game shape ready. You, you develop right. The development one. You're 100 percent familiar with this, obviously, being a former player. There's so much growth that happens in between you know seasons. Right. You have to trust Kirby and his development. You know, uh, listen, you still got Glenn Schumann, which Glenn Schumann, in my opinion, is arguably the best, you know, on the staff. I love that. I am. I love Dan Lanning, but I loved Glenn Schumann just a little bit more. Um, just just what he's able to do. So it, obviously there's some new, you know, some new things that George is having to adjust for. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, ultimately, this is going to be a very interesting game. Knowing Lanning and knowing Kirby, it's going to be a chess match and there's no question about it. Um, listen, not a, not a single question about it. It's going to be a chess match. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. And on the flip side of that break, we're talking Oregon schedule. So stay right, uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're going to jump into this. Hith, I want to start with you first. Obviously, let's break down the schedule here. We'll break it down six games at a time. Uh, and kind of want to get a feel for right the overall feeling of you know Oregon season right you, you have a lot of hype a lot of uh, momentum I think right looking in for, from the Pac-12 perspective you know you had USC with Lincoln Riley hiring there uh, listen they 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 loaded up through the portal uh, you obviously had Utah which you know can you know can Oregon avenge this we'll see. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and start with the schedule. And I want to break down the first six games here. So, obviously, you start off, obviously, week one, um, you know, neutral site, right? I'm going to say neutral site in air quotes if you're not saying <laughs> air quotes. Neutral site, which I don't even care for neutral sites. But, obviously, Georgia to start off. Uh, then you have Eastern Washington, I think, at home, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, and, then, and then the third week is going to be interesting. BYU comes to town. All right. And then – 
Washington State. You go to Washington State. Uh, Juan, this is something that you'll probably keep an eye out for. Um, Stanford will come to town, right? Come to Eugene on October 1st. And then you go to Arizona, right? I think this is an interesting first six games. I'm looking at week one and week three being the interest, most interesting to me. Um, obviously, I think Georgia and, and Oregon is going to be a really good matchup. Uh, if I'm looking here, though, I think you go five and one. Um, Hith, I think I think Oregon goes five and one going into this bye week here. Uh, obviously, I think the loss to Georgia, and it's like I said, this loss is not going to be right. I don't see it being a, a, like a, a season defining loss by any means. It's just one of these things where I expect it to be a good game. I just think that Georgia like pulls away at the end, right? And it's, and it's like I said, it's no knock to anything. But outside of that, I think the game against BYU is going to be interesting, and I think you pull that out uh, as well. Um, you know, Juan, obviously we have that connection here with Juan. Uh, his, his, uh, so Juan's son, Ashton, is a freshman quarterback at Stanford. So that game has a little, probably a little bit more meaning today for Juan and uh, talking about that than, you know, in other games. I'll let Hith start first, and then I'm going to bring it to Juan. You know, overall, those first six games, what what do you see there, um, and how do you predict things for the first half of the season? Uh, yeah, you know, I, at this point, I think it would be foolish to go uh, uh, too hard against Vegas and bet on Oregon uh, to, to take the opener. But, you know, for the rest of the – well, really, for the rest of the season, you know, Oregon's the most talented team – in the Pac-12 and and certainly is more talented than Eastern Washington. Uh, uh, <clears throat> BYU is always a tricky team because they're made up of so many like two stars and walk-ons, but it is a, a well-coached team. Nonetheless, you know, simply from a talent perspective, Oregon shouldn't, uh, you know, run into a whole lot of struggles until they play Utah, um, which is, you know, another team that punches way above their, their rating. Um, the, uh, you know, they have... Wazoo and Arizona are always tricky road trips. Um, uh, you know, they're not particularly talented team, although Jed Fish has sort of stepped up the talent level at Arizona. It's been an impressive talent transformation. They're just not done yet. They need a couple of, uh, a couple other years to really be a contender, you know, keeping up this pace. But anyway, uh, playing in, in Pullman and playing in, in Tucson has been sort of like, oh my God, uh, experiences for the Ducks over the years. But at least the weather should be cooperative. You know, it's getting, you know, Pullman in, in late September is way better than Pullman in late November. I can tell you that. Um, and Arizona in October is better than Arizona in, in September. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm feeling fairly good about those, uh, teams, uh, Stanford, it should be a, a revenge game to, to end all revenge games. That game was, um, let's just say unusual, had an unusual ending, uh, last year. I don't think the, the, the returning players on the deck squad are going to forget it. Um, it would be interesting if we saw Ashton Daniels, um, uh, playing quarterback for Stanford, you know, I don't think it's going to happen, but, uh, best of luck to him. Juan, I'm gonna let you take over. Do you need me to pull the, I'm gonna pull the graphic back up just to help out, but what, what are your, what are your thoughts on Oregon's first half uh, of the season? Oh yeah, I mean that's um, you know that 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 first game is always going to get beat be tough. What makes me nervous as a Georgia fan, just what made me nervous last year with Brent Venables having an entire summer and an entire time to scheme, you know I, I just see that that's going to be tough uh, in the beginning. But like you said, there's a you know strong possibility that we 
that that, that we pulled that one out. Um, Eastern Washington, that Eastern Washington, that's going to be a, a beatdown. Um, and and just like he said with with um, BYU, it's not just the the two stars and walk-ons, but also too is that you know it's an older team. A lot of those players have gone on missions, and and so they're uh, you know a, a lot older. So again, you you never know what you know what what's going to happen. Stanford, um, you know, Stanford's going to go up there. I'm actually going to be at that game, so I'm actually pretty si- excited. Stanford probably goes and wins 63 to three. That's a Patrick <laughs> shout out. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, re- re- realistically, um, you know, going and playing in Eugene, I heard is just an absolute nightmare. So I'll, I'll, I'll give the nod to to Oregon unless Ashton gets in, and now 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 you know things change. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I see them going five and one. Um, and, and the first one, and then again, like I said, that, that first game, depending on how it goes, how Bo Nix plays, it could be a trap game for Georgia. So, um, I, I, I would say right now at this point, five and one. Yeah. So any Oregon fans in the chat or you're listening <clears throat> and you heard one say 63 please understand it's an ongoing thing here, um, for the show. So keep that in mind. Don't, Hey, it's Okay. I guarantee you had some people sweating for a second. I think we might need to admit Juan to the loony bin or something. No. <laughs> like, like, like Desmond Howard needs to be admitted to the loony bin. <laughs> I'm not mad at all. I'm not mad at all about that take, Juan. I'm not. <clears throat> that's that's a whole nother. That, listen, that you that right there, that take right there could cause its own episode in all seriousness. Um, but listen, so let's go ahead and jump in real fast to the back half, right? So we'll pull the graphic back up for those watching. So after after Arizona, right? You come back, you're on a bye week, and then you uh, host UCLA and, and Chip Kelly, and I think that's an interesting game, uh, which we'll talk about in just a second. You know, then then you host Cal, or you go to Cal, right? Take trips to Cal and to like Colorado is going to be extremely cold even in November, but we'll see. Um, you know, then then comes the game. Right. Then comes the game. Uh, these great value dogs, if you will, uh, Washington Huskies <laughs> um, come to Eugene and then the revenge game. And I think this on the back half is no doubt the biggest game of the season for you, on at least on the back half. Uh, Utah comes to town. Right. And I think, listen, what happened twice last year. I think that's not going to sleep well with any Oregon fan. Uh, and listen, I think you might want to see Oregon come out for blood uh, against the Utes. Uh, and then you finish up the season, if I'm not mistaken, Civil War uh, with a trip to Oregon State. And I, th- I feel like that's going to be a very, very cold game. Um, overall, I'm looking at this back half right here. I think I think you go, oof, you know what? Call me crazy. I saw in the chat that, you know, they always slip up in Arizona. I don't see that happening this year because you only got Arizona. I think you take down Utah at home. So I'm give me a straight give me a straight flush for the back half. Give me 6-0 and in the back half. I'll give you the 11-1. I could see it. Now, at the same time, I do understand that, you know, there's also that chance that you might slip up at a game. You might lose to Utah. Right, like, and, and I've seen Oregon situations, right, like last year to Stanford, where you had a game that you should win, but you don't. New regime, right? New regime. There's a culture change, things like that. I'm, I'm optimistic here on the Ducks. I'm going 11 and one. Call me crazy. Call me crazy. I, I think you go 11 and one. I think you get revenge on Utah. You do. Even with Cam Rising there. Listen, Devin Lloyd was an X factor last season. 
and I'm just curious to see what, how they replace that. So give me Oregon at 11 and one, right? Going to the Pac-12 championship, in my opinion, to take on USC. Hith, what would you say about that back half? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, I like that the three tough games are all at home. You know, Oregon is 28 and two at home over the last five years. Um, is a very difficult place to play um and you know as you say you cause the you know mother of all revenge games um the you know i i like i like the ducks odds uh you know getting all three of those home games you know i don't think i leave cal in colorado this year oregon state's always a game throughout the record books no for real like oregon you know you, you might think that oregon you know dominates that series it is not true like over the last 20 years it's, it's like pretty close to tied um the home team usually wins Oregon State was undefeated at home last year it's a, it's a tough little team um but you know on paper Oregon should be 6-0 against this bad half and what that that would require uh, uh Oregon going 9-0 in the Pac-12 and that has literally never happened um so boy I don't know I I, I don't know about making that prediction I actually think it's more likely that Oregon has some dumb slip-up game like against you know at Pullman or at Tucson um and, and then cruises in the back or not cruises but like manages to win out you know after that dumb slip-up game I'm I'm going with 10 and 2 you know I, I think that's the I, I you know if you're asking me for a full season prediction I would say they're gonna split Georgia and Utah um and they're going to have one dumb loss, just like just slap your forehead. What the hell was that? You know, kind of loss because Oregon's not quite there yet. Yeah. They're not they're not quite it like they're recruiting very well. They're they're definitely improving the program year over year. Like I, I'm very optimistic about what this program is going to be in like, you know, four or five years time. But like they're still not quite at that like Alabama, you know, Georgia, you know, Ohio State type of level where it's like it's nothing but five stars. You should expect them to go 12 and 0 every year. If they lose a game, it's shocking. Like the, Oregon's just not there yet they're at least one notch below that so like one dumb slip up game yeah i i i'm fairly certain oregon's gonna have now don't ask me where that's gonna be you know by definition it's a dumb slip up game so i can't predict you know where it's gonna be but uh, yeah i'm fairly confident it's gonna happen i i think gerard says here that he has oregon going nine and three with losses to georgia byu and utah and while i do see that right while i do see that i also think that you know i, I think oregon is going to be disciplined to the point where you might not be familiar with it almost because, like I said, I think you're bringing in a championship pedigree with, with Dan Lanning, right? Just coming off of a national championship, you, you can't tell me that he wouldn't know exactly what it takes, right? Now, the culture should be balled in almost immediately, right? I feel as if that's the case. you know. But I also understand that, you know, like I said, I might be super, you know, high on Oregon, right? Going 11-1, especially with a first-year coach, I, I, I get that. But I just, I just think that you have the discipline, and I think by the time that you play them, also playing at home could help you win those key matchups, right, the hardest ones on paper that it looks like, right, against Utah, right, against BYU at home. Do I think you lose to, I think you lose to Georgia, and that's understandable and that's respectable at that point. The thing about it is when you start to look at these games, I think, you know, what could have happened with Oregon in the past – could be that lack of focus, that lack of discipline in, in times. And I'm telling you right now, if you have Dan Lanning as your head coach, he is a no-nonsense guy. He, he's a player's guy, but he understands when to take it serious and keep you focused. So that, in my opinion, is why I am so high on Oregon. Like I said, I do, I, I do see that you, know, you could lose that 
Utah game, right? There's always that question. Uh, Juan, we're going to take, take it over to you, though. That back half, what are your projections on that? Um, I, I see them being 5-1 and one on, on, on the back half. I, mean, I don't see them having any issues with anybody except for Utah. Um, Utah, uh, you know, they, they, they tasted blood with that whole Ohio State thing. They really felt like, you know what, they should have won that game. Utah. Utah's on a different level. I, I see Utah going 12-0 and 0 and being in the college football championship. Um, that, that's one of my predictions. But so for that, and that just means that um, for Oregon, 11-2 and 2 in a Rose Bowl, I, I don't think that, you know, any of those, um, you know, fans are going to complain about that. But Utah right now is just too tough. I mean, they, they just, they, they, they really are. But I, I do agree with you with Dan Lanning. I mean, he, he's got that championship mentality. He's going to turn that program around and, and they're going to start believing either you're a lead or not. And, uh, you know, and, and it starts with the head coach. He's got that championship pedigree. Um, I, I think that that's going to be important for Oregon's future. But that game, you know, Cam Rising and, 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 and Utah, they're just, they're just going to be tough. The only, only team that can beat Utah, you know, after they murder Florida and everybody else is probably going to be Stanford. Um, and, and, and I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey you know no one predicted stanford winning last year you know it's if, if oregon's got a dumb slip-up game in them then picking stanford to be it like yeah okay uh you know th- they had a dumb didn't slip-up Stan- game at didn't home stanford in have a ridiculous tight end room uh not not at this point great... not really they, like that, that's actually a... That's actually been a big part of their decline over the last like five years or so is they're, you know, basically they lost all their tight end prospects to, to Arkansas, like Arkansas yep. took an entire family from them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Stanford's got other problems than that. But like, I mean, they've got one or two, you know, good tight ends. Yeah, I'm just yeah. but like if you're remembering like the heyday of them where they had like, you know, a bunch of like totally undefendable tight ends and eh, th- those days are over. Gotcha. If they go five, if Stanford goes 500, uh, that's a win. I mean, they're, they're, they've got them picked five and seven right now. So if they go 500, that's a win. Listen, Ashton and that Buford pedigree, he's going to be fine. He'll be fine. I'm just going to leave that there. Right, but, guys, so obviously we talked a lot about Oregon, right? We've talked about the pulse of the program. We've talked about, you know, key personnel additions, departures, right, and, and obviously schematics as well from the coaching staff. We've talked about the schedule. We broke it down. There's a potential that you could possibly see Oregon in the Pac-12 championship year one under um, Dan Lanning. Even who knows, right? We'll, we'll have to see how things play out, right? But I think there's some key matchups there that we've, we've talked about, right? The Georgia game obviously being the one that we're focused on right now. The Utah game, revenge, you know, revenge tour, right? Stanford could be the possible upset per one. Um, there's just a lot we've discussed. Um, but I want to give a shout out to Hith for coming on and, and talking this preseason or obviously talking about Oregon for us with us. Um, thank you for coming on. Um, with that being said, if people want to find out about your work and find out more about you, where can people find you? Uh, I'm the managing editor for the site uh, addicted to quack.com. Uh, and Yes, I, I can't claim credit for it, but it is perhaps the best uh, website title of all time, uh, Addicted to Quack. Um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Hithloday1, that's spelled H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y, the number one. So I, I got to do this one. Um, he brought up, you know, Addicted to Quack, and obviously it kind of has a subliminal reference there. But um, there's a, there's somebody that, that I'm familiar with one back in the day, uh, and, and I think you might be knowing where I'm going with this, but there was a... Famous uh, addict, if you will, called T- 
Tyrone. You can call him. But I don't know. <laughs> Tyrone Biggums. People. So, obviously, the folks understand. We won laugh again today. Um, Hith, thanks again, like I said, for coming on. And listen, dog fans, we know it's game week. We're prepping for this. But I'm telling you right now, there's some very informative stuff there over at Addicted to Quack. Um, listen, if I'm not mistaken, I know, like I said, like you mentioned earlier, Hith, um, you know, I was over there Friday um, on the, you know, talking. Uh, is that available yet? Or if so, when will it be? Or if not, when will it be? Uh, Adam should have that up uh, by Tuesday morning. Um, hell, it may be up right okay. now. If I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, I my article is going to be going on Georgia, in which I run down the entire roster. Uh, you know, is going up on Tuesday, and, and Robert, our interview was a big part of that. You uh, sent me straight in a couple of questions, and, and you get a bunch of shout outs in the article. So uh, you might want to read it just for a little, uh, you know, ego satisfaction. I mean, I ain't going to do that. I'm not going to humble brag or anything, but no, it's, you know, listen, it's always fun to talk Georgia football. So any chance I get, I'll do that. You know how that goes. Um, Hey, listen, I wanted to give a shout out to the brigade coming in hot and heavy. Um, Listen, and Mikey G, I'm telling you right now, this show is, it's, it's very, right. It's very, you don't know what you get, right. Uh, Forrest Gump once said that it's like a box of chocolates. You just don't know what you're going to get. And that's what's going to happen in the DG podcast. Just leaving that there. Uh, especially for a first-time viewer, right? But if you enjoyed what you liked, right, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, make sure you like and subscribe. Um, With that being said, though, Oregon fans that hopped into the chat and the brigade, uh, obviously the honorary brigadiers for today, uh, listen, outside of September 3rd, I hope you all have a good season. I I really wish you all the best this season, Um, except for September 3rd, because, listen, as Jack Jenkins said, don't take this ass whipping personally. Um, but neither here nor there. But neither here nor there. Uh, listen, obviously, like I said, obviously, I want Dan Lanning. I want Oregon to do well. I don't have any ill will towards that, but it's game one, right? It's just the way that is. Um, any final words, Juan, before we wrap this thing up, my man? No, man. Hey, we're five days away. It's here. Oh, my it's God. here. Keely Ringo days away. I love it. God, that just brings back flashback to Indy, don't it, Juan? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's repeat season. Nah, <laughs> run it back is what I'm ready for. Hith, like I said, man, thanks for again for coming on. I'm glad you were able to hop on and do the home and home, man. Um, but on that note, folks, have a great day. And listen, get ready for week one. It is coming. It's coming. On that note, go dogs. Have a great day. Go dogs. This episode of the DGD Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Alumni Hall. Alumni Hall is the ultimate shopping destination for Georgia Bulldogs fans like yourselves. I'm talking about a great shopping experience with everything you want and need to show off your Georgia pride. They have licensed Georgia apparel from brands like Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Peter Millar, Champion, and also they have a two-for-38 t-shirt special, so go check that out. Make sure your family is game ready with apparel, accessories, and gifts. They're located 10 minutes from campus in Athens. Check them out in store or go to alumnihall.com. It's where Bulldog fans shop. When you make decisions for your company, 
you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.